Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. And just to see God working as we walk in the Spirit, as we commune with Him, as we seek Him in prayer, uh, God desires that we might uh, be dependent on Him. And, and the only way that we see unity like that, the only way that we see God work uh, in our midst in the way that we were able to see this week and the way Judah described is if we are walking in the Spirit. And we, uh, we desire that that's what we would do every day. It's very easy for us to go on a mission trip and for us to focus in those areas. But the reality is that every day, moment by moment, God has called us to walk in the Spirit. And we recognize that we are in the midst of a battle. We're in a, a sermon series called Surviving the Wild. And the first week, we really examined and said, you know, who is our enemy? And we see uh, that we have an adversary, right? The Scripture says that we have an adversary, the devil, that roams about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And he is walking and he is uh, praying and looking for those that uh, that are least expecting it and seeking whom he may devour. We saw him cast out of heaven. We saw him uh, desire, right? We see him say, I will, I will, I will be like God. And we see him cast out of heaven. And we see a third of the angels, right? That he was so crafty and so deceptive that a third of the angels followed him, that a third of the angels were cast out with him. And we see this spiritual battle that is all around. Not only is this battle uh, in the heavenlies and this battle that is all around us, this, this picture of angels and demons and this, this, uh, uh, supernatural war that's going on, we see that there is a world system that they are working uh, to create, that they are cultivating, that works in a way uh, to distract us. It works in a way uh, to uh, keep our eyes off of Christ. We see in, in the very beginning, right, we see God created this world and it was good. He created it perfect. And we see uh, that our enemy, right, that Satan, that our adversary showed up early on, right? We see in Genesis 3, 1, the scripture says that now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other beasts of the field. And we see him uh, begin to twist the word of God. We see him begin uh, to use lies, right, to tempt Eve. And we see uh, them partake of the only thing that God had said. Listen, you uh, can partake of all the other uh, trees. That You can partake of all the other fruit. You can uh, have all of these things, but don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day that you do, you will surely die. And we see Satan say, oh, you won't surely die, right? We see those kind of things, right? And Adam and Eve, they desired wisdom apart from God, apart from uh, his ways. They wanted to decide for themselves right and wrong. They wanted those kind of things. They wanted to have wisdom outside of God's will, outside of God's plan, outside of his word. They wanted it their way. And what we see is humanity is, has joined in rebellion to a good, loving God, to their loving creator. And because of that, Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden because of sin. They were separated from God because of sin. We see that we live in the midst of this broken world. And so we said, we've got to know our surroundings because all around us, there's a battle that's going on. C.S. Lewis said it well, and he said it like this. He said, there is no neutral ground. So no matter where you are at in the midst of this world, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God, and it's counterclaimed by Satan. 
the world system is well organized, right? That it is set up in a way that is attractive to us and it puts its worth in the short-term pleasures and fulfillment in that way. And I wanna tell you today why the world system, why Satan has so much success. We look around and we see the effects. We see uh, sins just wreckage in the midst of our world. We see those refugees that had to flee because soldiers may have been coming toward their homes. We see families that were separated uh, from their loved ones, people that uh, came uh, to this country with less family members than they had in their country because of the, the, the depravity of man, right? The sinful, uh, just the brokenness of this world is so visibly seen in that, and we look and we wonder, how is it that that we that Satan in this world system is so successful? And the reality is that our flesh desires fulfillment; it desires satisfaction apart from Christ. The world and the devil are so successful because they give us what we really want apart from Christ. It's what our flesh desires. Millard Erickson said this: Humans since the fall are sinful by nature and live in a world in which powerful forces seek to induce them to sin. We read in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, the scripture says, therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin, so death spread to all men for all, because all have sinned. Here's the reality. We are born into this world with a sin nature. And if we are going to survive in the wild, if we are going uh, to be able to, to survive in the midst of the wild, in the midst of the brokenness, in the midst of this crazy world, we have got to know ourselves. I heard uh, the story of a Sunday school teacher, and uh, she was working with her kids and been teaching them about sin. And that day, they were teaching them about the sin of commission and the sin of omission. And she got to the end of her lesson, and she said, I wonder if there's anyone here uh, that could describe those things to me. And uh, one of the little boys, little Johnny, he was very excited about uh, having an opportunity to be part. Many of you that have taught kids know of that kind of moment. And you always kind of wonder, hey, what are they going to say, right? That's one of those things that as parents, you're also thinking, you know, I wonder what my kids are going to say in those specific moments. But she said, what is the sin of commission. Little Johnny, he's raising his hand and he says, the sin of commission, he said, it's, it's doing the things that we know we're not supposed to do. And the teacher said, little Johnny, that's, that, that's, that's basically right. Very good. Now, uh, can somebody tell me what the sin of omission is? And little Johnny, boy, he was still, he was still pretty excited and nobody else was raising their hand. And she said, well, uh, what is it then? And he said, well, the sin of omission, he said, those are the sins that you want to commit but you just hadn't got around to it yet. <laughs> and it's funny, but there's a lot of truth in that. We're going to spend some time in Galatians 5 today, and uh, you can uh, be turning uh, just in the Scripture to Galatians 5, but you're going to see in that passage that there's a laundry list of sins that our flesh uh, is capable of, and you're going to see uh, that it's not a complete list, right? But we know uh, the things that we struggle with. We know there's some things that uh, in reality we may have been struggling with for a long season. It may be that we uh, continue to fall into the same sin. I saw a uh, newspaper article where this guy had been arrested uh, for four times, right, robbing this convenience store, for robbing uh, this place. And when they had finally caught him, they matched up all the footage and it was all him. And I want you to know, he, he came in there. And let me tell you what he stole, Reese Cups. Armed robbery. Like, I can relate to this guy a little bit, right? Like, but he was serious, man. His flesh was desiring some of that peanut butter and chocolate. 
And the truth is that it's not the same thing for each of us, but the root of it all is the same for all of us. We look in this laundry list of sin, this laundry list of things that are there. And you know, our kids are going to be going to Crowder's Ridge this week. And all you parents out there, uh, I want you to raise your hand like, you know, when we send our kids to camp, we don't have to send them to sin camp. We don't have to go there to kind of teach them how to sin. Uh, we, we don't have to do that, right? Any, any parents had to have sin training classes? Anybody? Anybody had to sit down and say, this is how you do that? Like, no, that, I mean, they get it from the start, right? I, I mean, I heard one pastor say, you know, they make, uh, God makes kids so uh, small so that they won't kill you. And he makes them so cute so you won't kill them. Right, there's never been, the little kids, they don't be like, I, my parents, they probably are really tired. They've been up for a week. I, I think I'll just let them sleep through the night, right? It, it, it was forever before we got to sleep through uh, the night. We, we recognize, right, that, that this uh, sin comes natural to us, right? When we are born of Adam, we inherit his sin nature, and we came with evil desires. And, and here's what happens when we get in the midst of this world system. We come with these evil desires, and Satan and this world system gives us what we want, right? This temporary pleasure, this thing in our nature. And, and here's what we hear sometimes. People say, you know what? It's our environment, right? It's, uh, we, we all, if you look back into the garden, ever since the first uh, time that sin entered into the world, there's been excuses, right? We remember the conversation. We saw this conversation that, 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 that you know, God is speaking to Adam and Eve, and he's like, hey, Adam says, hey, um, it, it's not my fault, right? We see this blame game begin. We've talked about that as we've walked through this series, but he says, hey, uh, it was the woman who, who gave me, it, it was her, and, and it's the woman, by the way, God, it's not only her fault, but really it's your fault, because it was the woman that you gave me, and what we see in this world is that when we sin, and when we uh, are going to, the world system wants us to believe, hey, you know what, we're all pretty much basically good people, that's what this world system, this culture that we're in, and, and there, there are, are pastors that say, you know what, people don't need to hear their sinners, they already know that, but what we understand is that they don't. What we see is that they don't. I love the fact that we're engaging right in jail ministry right now. And James and Jenna, we've been blessed to hear how God is working among these inmates and how God is moving in the midst. And there's this reality that as we've talked about some of that, we said, hey, you know, we don't want to go in there and beat them for their specific sin or to have this this picture of being holier than thou. But what we need to understand is we've been in the hole with thou. And it's but by the grace of God that we're not in the same place. And they didn't, you know, if you talk to some of those guys, I'm sure that they would tell you, hey, this is what happened to me in my childhood. And this is what happened in my environment that was around me. And I got in with the wrong crowd. And you'd hear all these different things. And, and you might hear, uh, you know, the devil made me do it. You might hear, uh, you know, the church lady thing. What could possibly cause that? Could it be Satan? But what the reality is, is that we are sinners, that we sin because we are sinners, that we are born with a propensity right in a nature that is bent towards sin. And, and we've got to, listen, we don't need a self-help book. Those people in the jail, they don't need five ways to bear this different kind of fruit in their life. They don't need uh, some kind of book that says, here's how you can become a better this or a better that. What we need is the gospel, right? The good news that takes dead people and makes them alive, that takes sinners and saves them. And not only uh, do they save them for give them for their sins, but indwells them with the power of the Spirit that would enable them to walk in newness of life. That's what we need, right? In Ephesians 
2 the apostle Paul uh, says this he says we were dead in our trespasses and sin and Romans 3 says there's none righteous not even one he goes on to say that by nature we were children of wrath like the rest of mankind but glory be to God right just uh, turn to, to Ephesians just for a second we're so close uh, we'll be in Galatians here in a second. We'll be so uh, close there. But, but this is what we read in the Scripture. He says, by nature, he said, children of wrath, even as the rest, but God. Man, the greatest two words in the Scripture, but God, right, who is rich in mercy, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. This is our great God, right? We have a natural inclination to sin. And given the choice to do that apart from Christ, we will choose our will over God's, right? We will naturally choose our own way. We will naturally choose our own thing. But this passage reminds me that we are not without hope and we are not without help. And so we're going to lean in today and we're going to say, how do we walk in this Christian life? How do we live in light of the salvation that God has given us in light of of Christ on the inside. Romans 5, 19 says, for as through one man's disobedience, there many were made sinners. And even through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. John 3, 6 says, that which is born of the flesh is of the flesh, right? It is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. When we are born of Adam, we inherit his sin nature. But when we are born again in Christ, we Get a new nature. We are given a new heart. We have the, the capacity to love, the capacity to walk in the Spirit. And through repentance and faith in Christ, we are made right with a holy God. And positionally in that moment, we are made right with God. And then for the rest of our lives until we reach heaven, until we reach that day when we are in his presence, God is making true practically of us what is true positionally in that moment when we are saved by his grace, when we are made alive in Christ. But here's the reality. There's still a battle. Here's the reality. Those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, who have surrendered our life to Christ, there is still a battle. The battle is not over. And this battle is with our flesh and the Spirit. See, we don't lose our flesh when we come to faith in Christ. We, uh, we have this reality, right, that we've been given a new nature, but we live in an old man's body, right? We live in this flesh. We live in the midst of this broken world, right? Paul writes of this battle in Romans 7. Uh, we, we see him say things like, you know, the things that I want to do. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. He said, the things that I want to do. He said, those are the very things that I don't do. He said, the things uh, that I don't want to do, those are the very things that I do. And then he says in verse 24, he says, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? And he says, verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin, right? We have a battle with our flesh. One day we're going to have a new body through death at the resurrection. We'll be given uh, a new body, right? A glorified body, a body that no longer will struggle in this without this sin nature. We will, uh, but right now we have this old house. And the question is, in the midst of this broken world, how is the battle won? And I want to make a statement that is kind of the, the bottom line of all that we're going to read, of all that we're going to look at. And it's this. It says, the victorious Christian life is not found in simply having more willpower, but by walking in the Spirit's power. The victorious Christian life is not found in sin, by simply having more willpower, but it is found by walking in the Spirit's power. 
turn back to Galatians chapter number five. We'll begin in verse 16, and we're going to try to get through uh, just the rest of that chapter. Uh, But we see this in verse 16. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. This is one sentence, one verse, and it is plain, right? He says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. The flesh. This word walk, it's an interesting word. Uh, it's in uh, this sense, basically, when we see the word walk, right, we think about the way that we live. We think about the way that we uh, behave, uh, the way that we live, the way that we live in this life. And the interesting thing about this, uh, this word, it's in the present tense imperative. So this is a command. But the interesting thing about it, it's not uh, just this thought of this command that says, hey, we're going to walk. And, and maybe we think about salvation as this time where we place our faith and trust in Christ and we are born again into the family of God. And we think about that as a uh, maybe this one time in our life. And we say, when we think about this walking in the Spirit, what we see is that this is a command to keep on continuously walking in the Spirit day by day, not just simply at one time in our life that we say, you know what, I surrender uh, to you. But it's a daily surrender. It's a daily uh, desire that we might walk in the Spirit spirit, that we would keep on day by day, moment by moment, one step at a time, one day at a time, one moment at a time, that we would be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And that's how uh, we see this command that we are to live, that we are to continually day by day. And what we see is when we walk in the spirit, we have victory over the flesh. So here's the simple truth, right? We desire to see our lives live for the glory of God, right? We desire to see victory in our lives. We desire uh, to glorify God, right? We we looked back uh, a few weeks back and we said, you know, what is the purpose of all this? What is the meaning of our lives, right? And we are created to bring him glory. We are created uh, to, to glorify God and to enjoy him. And when we walk in the spirit, what we see is we have victory over the flesh. But verse 17 reminds us of this battle for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. See, what we see, following Christ doesn't take away all these desires. It doesn't uh, remove all the desires of the flesh. But what it does, it puts us at war with those desires. Evidence that Christ is on the inside is not the absence of those desires, but it is the presence of a battle, a war, right, that, that, that we are at war with those desires. Before you met Jesus, like I can remember, do you remember what it was like to be lost? Like, we'd do well to remember what it was like to be lost and be in awe of the grace and mercy of God. And now he saved us. And when we think about that, and we remember what it was like to be lost, and I could sin, and I could like it, right? There was no battle in there, right? There was no uh, desire to do anything different, right? There might have been a desire to not get caught or not face punishment. There might have been a desire for all those kind of things. Uh, but any desire to do good was all for my own glory and not for God's. And, 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 and my desire was that this flesh would be satisfied through whatever means that, that this world system could provide. J.C. Roth said that the real Christian is known by his inner warfare. So it sounds easy. We're to walk in the Spirit. So what does that look like? What does it look like to walk in the Spirit? I love uh, just this statement by Tony Evans. You'll see it on the screen, and we'll leave it up there a second. It says, to walk by the Spirit is to discover God's view on a matter, decide to act on that divine perspective, and depend on the Holy Spirit to empower your obedience. So we walk. There's this ongoing, continued uh, dynamic, this day by day. And so day by day, we get into the Word of God. We, I love what Robbie Gallaty said about the Word of God. He said, we get into the Word of God until the Word of God gets into 
us that we seek? How do we know uh, what the truth is? How do we know uh, that what God's view is on a matter, right? We've looked weeks past and we've said, hey, we found north. We have uh, absolute truth that God has given us in his word, that he is our moral standard, right? That he is holy and righteous and that we uh, can know uh, what, what God's word says about whatever things, right? There's nothing new under the sun and God has given us his word. He has given us truth, right? We see in Ephesians 6 that we're to put on the belt of truth and that, that, that this word of God, right, holds everything together, that we see this, this picture, we discover what God's view is on a matter and then we walk in obedience, I don't know if you've ever been to the, the airport, but I saw a, uh, just an illustration of just a, uh, one of the little uh, conveyor belt uh, type things. You know, you get on those and they're moving, but what you see is not only are they moving, but there are people that are moving on them. And we understand, hey, we are going to submit to the Word of God. So we seek what it says and we submit to the authority of Christ and we walk in obedience. You know, at the camp, uh, I had the blessing of getting to hang out with this little kid named Don Neal. And Don Neal, he, he, um, he was kind of the camp kid that got to spend the most time with the uh, person that was over the camp, if you know what I mean. He's the kind of guy that ended up being in the counselor's office a good bit, and we um, had the blessing of hanging out, and he would say, uh, when he would get in trouble, he'd say, at Donnell camp, this is what we do. He said, at Donnell camp, he said, there ain't no rules. That's how he talked. He said, Donnell camp, uh-uh. The counselor would say, this ain't Donnell camp. And the reality is that we have that same tendency, right, at Jason came in this, this is how this works, and this is how this works. But what we are, right, we understand that we're created in the image of God, right, and we've been created to reflect his image to this world and to bring him glory, right? This is not about us, right? We've been, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, right, the scripture says that you've been bought with a price and that we're to glorify God in our bodies. And the only way that we'll do that is to walk in the spirit. The only way that we'll do that, and, and Don Neal, he had this uh, saying that he would like to say every time we would get ready to move somewhere. Uh, some people, kids like to be the front of the line. Well, Don Neal had to be at the back of the line. And so any time that we would get ready to move somewhere, he'd say, I'm the caboose. I'm the caboose. Look at verse 18. It says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And what we see is if we're going to walk in the Spirit, we must be led by the Spirit. And it's not simply uh, this distant following, but it is this picture of being attached to the train, right? right? The Holy Spirit is guiding, and we are going exactly where He leads. We are walking in the Spirit. He says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, right? And it's daily walking away from my flesh. It's daily. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's daily walking in my new life to him. It's daily step in step with the Spirit, leaving my old life of sin. Because here's the reality, and next week we're going to look at who we are in Christ. And Satan has this slice. He wants to take our shame, and he wants to make that who we are. He, he wants to take the sinful brokenness of our past and say, that's who you are. Are. And he keeps us beat up. He keeps us uh, tied down in the midst of our shame. But, but God doesn't look at us in that way. When we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are given the righteousness of Christ and we are made new in Christ. That's not our past. When, when I meet with people and they say, these are all these things that happened in my past. These are all the things that are there. But I want you to know if you're in Christ, that's not who you are anymore. And we walk in our in a new identity, right? Satan tries to keep us in that shame and we try to find satisfaction because of our shame and because of our mess. We keep running to the same old well of this world. We keep coming. It's like the woman at the well. Jesus said, he said it 
he said, I can give you living water. And he said, you'll never thirst again. See, the things of this world, they just fuel our appetite. The, th- the, the cravings that we might have for sex or the cravings that we might have uh, for all the things, you can fill in whatever blank in this world. It always comes back, leaving us with a desire for more, and it never satisfies. And Satan says, this is who you are. This lie that he's been given since the fall that says you're going to find satisfaction in something apart from Christ, in something apart from surrender to Christ and obedience to his plan. But here's the reality. We've been made new. And as Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, we see him say that we are to put off the old man and we are to put on the new, right? That we are uh, to, to consider our flesh dead, right? To all these things. And it lists some of these same types of things that we're going to see in Galatians 5. We're to put off the old man and put on the new and the most miserable people. The most miserable people that you will ever see in this world are saved people who are still trying to live in, in the flesh, that are still trying to find satisfaction in the things of this world. You can't live out of who you used to be because you've been made new in Christ. Next week, we're going to look at who we are in Christ. Look at verse 19. He says, now the deeds of the flesh are evident. You want to know where you're walking? You can just look at your life and what is the... What's being shown in your life? The deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. What he's saying is that, hey, if you don't find your mess in the mess of this list, that's not the end of the list, right? But things like these, we see those kind of things, right? The works of the flesh. He says, these things... He says, of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This doesn't mean that if we've fallen into one of these things, if we've, because the reality is, right, that there's still a battle that's going on. But if this is our being, if this is where we are living, and we are, the reality is, Scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, that he's a new creature, that old things are passed away, and all things become new. The Scripture says in Philippians 1, 6, that we, uh, that, that God is working, right, that he who began a good work in us will see it through until the day of completion in Christ Jesus. And if there's no change in our life, uh, see, the reality is we see we're going to look in the next verses, and there's fruit that is being born in a Christian's life. And growth takes time. We don't see everything just immediately. All things are perfect, right? We see that there's a, a process of sanctification that the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives as we walk in the Spirit, as we read in His Word, as we see uh, God's commands, and as we walk in obedience to those. But if there's no change, and if we're not growing in Christ, if there is no change, there is no Christ. If the God of heaven takes up residence inside your soul He's going to change you. If you've been born again into the family of God, there will be change in your life. And the change that we will see, look in verse 22. It says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. Uh, Against such things there is no law. See, we see the fruit of the Spirit, right? It is the life of Christ being pressed out in our lives. When we see the fruits of the Spirit, we're seeing Jesus being pressed out through his people, right? We're seeing the life of the vine. Jesus said in John 15, he said, if you abide in me and I in you, right, the Spirit of God in us, he said, you will bear much fruit. He said, but apart from me, you can do nothing. And sin separates us from God. Even as followers of Jesus Christ, when we allow sin to be in our life, right, it causes separation. It, it, it breaks fellowship. It wrecks some of those things, right? Our iniquity, right, is, has separated us from God. But what we see when we walk in the Spirit, we see the fruit of the Spirit, right? We see love. We see Jesus in the life of his people. 
Verse 24, he said, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So how do we crucify flesh? How do we walk in the spirit? We starve the flesh. You've got to starve. We've got to starve it, right? We've got to refuse to feed the flesh. We walk by the Spirit. Our job, right? We, there's a battle that's raging in us, and we have got to feed the Spirit. We've got to, to lean into those things. We've got to walk by the Spirit. God, our God, is a good Father. Every one of you that is a good Father, you desire to see your children fed. You desire to see them grow. You desire to see them have supper tonight. You desire to see them have lunch. You desire to see all those things take place. And we have a good father who desires to see his children fed. He desires to feed his children. He has given us his word. He has given us his spirit. But the reality is that if we're honest, most times and many times we are more concerned with our body than our soul. We are more concerned with our body than our soul, with feeding the flesh. There are some of us right now that are going, I wonder what we're going to have for lunch. I wonder what we're going to have for supper. We think about all those kind of things. We live from meal to meal, right? That so much of our life, hey, what are we going to do for supper? Hey, y'all know this true, right? We think about, like, how, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have this, and we live in that kind of mode. George Mueller, who just did incredible work, God did amazing work, incredible man of faith, did so much work through orphanages. He said this, he said, I saw more clearly than ever, that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, how much I might glorify the Lord, how much I, but how much I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man must be nourished. I saw that the most important thing I had to do was give myself to the reading of the Word of God and to meditate on it. The works of the flesh, they're destructive. They're destructive to those that are around us, but the fruits of the Spirit. You ever seen a fruit tree eating its own fruit? Like they don't have a little thing that's pulling that back in. But we see these fruit trees, they bear fruit for our good and for the glory of God. And when we walk in the Spirit, we bear fruit. That's why it's so important to be part of a body of believers because this fruit that we produce, it's not simply for us, but it is to nourish those that are around us. How do we bear fruit? We, we lean in daily to the gospel. We are reminded of the cross. When nobody looks to the cross and ends up prideful, nobody looks to the cross and ends up thinking how good we are. Nobody looks to the cross in that mindset, but we look to the cross, right, and we recognize the goodness of God. We recognize the greatness of God. We recognize our desperate need uh, for him. We recognize our sinful nature, and, and it was our sin that placed him on the cross, that he took all of our sin, right? It was God that placed him upon the cross, right? What are we saved from? We're saved from the very wrath of God, right, that we deserve. And God poured out his wrath on Jesus because he is holy and he is just. He is loving. He is merciful. He is good. We abide in Jesus. We walk in the Spirit. And the fruit of the tree is evidence of the work of Christ in our lives. And if the tree, right, if we have a tree and it's not bearing fruit, there's something that needs to be addressed needs to be nourished, it needs to be fed, it needs to be followed, whatever those things are. And as we follow Christ, if we are not bearing fruit, if we are living in the works of the flesh, there's something that needs to be addressed in our lives. We don't need self-help. If you are here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus, the reality is that apart from Christ, you are 
enslaved to sin and in need of a Savior. And apart from the work of Christ on the cross, apart from repentance and surrender to him, you will be bent and continue uh, to live to please yourself. We don't need self-help. We need good news that Jesus died in our place. And if we repent of our sin and place our faith and trust in him, we surrender our lives to him, that we can be made new, right? That Christ would give us the gift of his spirit and enable us to walk in newness of life. And the people around us, the people in the jails, the people in our communities, the people in our schools, the people that are all around us, they don't need self-help. They don't need 10 ways to do this and that better. They need a relationship with Jesus. They need the gospel. They need the good news. And for the good news to have been meaningful, they need the bad news that we are not simply uh, people that have made mistakes and made bad choices and a product of our environment and all that, but we are sinners that are in need of a Savior. And it is only through the work of Christ, it is only through His grace that we can be made new. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes when the man comes up? God, we, we come to you, Lord, and we lift up every uh, person in our midst. Father, we recognize that we cannot live uh, the life that you've called us to live in our own strength, Lord. We cannot resist uh, the desires of our flesh, Lord. We cannot, uh, Lord, uh, stand against the evil that is around us, Lord, the wiles of the devil, Lord. But you tell us, Lord, that we can stand strong in you, Lord. And we pray, God, that we would not be dependent in our own strength, but we would seek you, that it would not be, uh, Lord, in our strength, but in Christ, Lord, in Christ in us, Lord. May we live Lord, and walk in your spirit. Lord, may we crucify the desires of our flesh, Lord. And I pray, God, that in the power of your spirit, God, that you would speak to every heart in this room. God, we I heard of this morning, Lord, of a, a pastor, Lord, who, uh, God, not in this community, Lord, but uh, who had fallen into sexual sin, Lord, and uh, resigned from his church, Lord. And I'm reminded, Lord, that every person in this room, Lord, that you roam about, Lord, and that you observe and that you know the, the desires of our flesh, Lord. You know uh, the very things, Lord, that we, uh, that we just have a propensity toward, Lord, and you work in a way to destroy and to devour. And God, we, uh, God must, Lord, recognize the attack of the enemy, Lord. We must live out of abundance, Lord, of time with you, Lord, and in your spirit. God, help us, Father. Lord, to see where you're attacking, Lord, where the enemy is attacking, Lord, and where you, God, are working in our lives, Father, and that we might submit, uh, Lord, to your spirit and your will, Lord, that you might, uh, God, cause someone to turn from sin this morning, or that you might draw them, Lord, in the power of your spirit, God, that they might surrender their very lives to you, God, that they would no longer live, God, to please themselves, Lord, but that they might live for the glory of your name. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your gospel. Lord, we thank you for making a way for us to be restored in fellowship to you, God. Unworthy and undeserving, separated from you because of our sin. Lord, but made whole in Christ. Lord, we thank you and we pray, God, that we would live in all of your grace. Lord, have your will and way in every life. And Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand and worship?